think. So, morning church, awesome to be with you all and, and see you this morning, and a special welcome if you're visiting along here to Ham South this morning. Um, yeah, great to have visitors here if you're with us. So, um, over the last month or two as a church, we've been um, sort of stepping along the theme of journey to the cross as we've been leading up to Easter, and guess what? We're almost there. Easter is almost upon us. This Friday we kick off, we celebrate Easter, so Easter is almost here. Um, we've come to that final week, and um, I was thinking, what sort of took place in the Gospels in that final week? What did Jesus get up to? We know very clearly, obviously, at the, the end of this week, the key things of the, the crucifixion, the resurrection, what went on. Um, those other things in, in the Bible, and the Gospels, that took place in that final week, what went on? So uh, Jesus had been out of the city of Jerusalem, and this final week, he comes back in to the city of Jerusalem. So he re-enters the city, and it was this Sunday, so the Sunday before he died, on the, the Friday, um, that he enters Jerusalem, there's that... Um, part where he's riding on the donkey, he fulfills that, that prophecy in Zechariah, um, I think it's Zechariah 9.9, that your king's going to come to you, bringing salvation, riding on a donkey. So that took place on this uh, Sunday, a few thousand, a couple of thousand years ago. Um, on the Monday, what took place? Um, that was when he, he clears the temple, he kicks out the, the people there who are exchanging money, uh, overturns their tables, throws out the traders who are in the temple there. The Tuesday, he taught on a whole lot of parables, the, the um, withered fig tree, parable of the tenants, teaches about the great commandments. So there was a whole lot of parables that went on on the Tuesday. The Wednesday, um, in the Gospels, it's kind of quiet. We don't really know what went on, um, but there's no record of what took place on the Wednesday. Uh, the Thursday, there's the Passover, the Last Supper in, in the upper room takes place. Um, Judas betrays him. Uh, the Friday, the crucifixion. Saturday, Jesus' body is in the tomb. And then Sunday, as we'll celebrate next Sunday, that amazing resurrection, uh, the foundation of what our faith is built upon, takes place. So we're in that final week, the journey to the cross. We, we're here in this final week. And this morning, uh, I want us to spend some time Looking in Mark chapter 14, we're going to look at the Passover, that last meal, that supper that Jesus spends with his disciples. We're not going to focus too much on the actual Lord's Supper part, the, the breaking of the bread, the drinking of the wine. We're not going to focus too much about that. I want us to look more about the context of what's going on around that very final meal that Jesus spends with his almost you could say his family, the 12 key people that he was training up, equipping to continue taking out his message once he passed on, once he was crucified, resurrected, and ascended. So we're going to look at some of the events that took place on the Thursday, knowing that Jesus was crucified on the Friday, so this is the Thursday, the very final evening before he knows, okay, tomorrow I'm going to die, I'm going to be crucified, so this is the final meal um, literally the evening before, it's on his final night. So if you've got your Bibles or on your phone, your app, uh, bring up Mark chapter 14 um, and keep that 
open because we're going to spend most of our time Mark chapter 14 this morning, um, and a little bit of time in Exodus as well, but Mark 14, so I invite you to open up there with me. Um, Before we jump into this, let me pray, and then we're going to read Mark chapter 14, verses 12 to 26. Mark 14, 12 to 26. So let me pray for us this morning. Lord, thank you uh, that we have the freedom to meet in this country. Thank you uh, here in so many places are locked down due to COVID that we can freely come together this morning. Thank you that we are, um, yeah, there are so many nations that are being persecuted for believing in you. And again, once again, we can meet here freely this morning, Lord, thank you for that. And God, we ask, please speak to our hearts this morning as we uh, get into your written word. Um, Please, Holy Spirit, take your, your written word and... Uh, may it be alive, may it be living, may it um, challenge us, may it convict us, may it encourage us. Um, Lord, you know exactly what each person here, um, where each person is at, and where we as a church are at, and just what we need to keep growing and maturing as a body of Christ. So Lord, I pray this morning that your Holy Spirit would be uh, very much alive and active and working in our lives as we interact in Mark 14. Thank you, Jesus. In your name, amen. All right, so Mark chapter 14, verses 12 to 26. Let's read through this passage together this morning. Mark 14, 12 to 26. On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked him, where do you want us to go and make preparations for you to eat the Passover? So he sent two of his disciples, telling them, go into the city and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. Say to the owner of the house that he enters, the teacher asks, where is my guest room, where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large upper room, furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there. The disciples left, went into the city, and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus arrived with the twelve. While they were reclining at the table eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They were saddened, and one by one they said to him, Surely not I. It is one of the twelve, he replied, one who dips bread into the bowl with me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it, this is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. I tell you the truth, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. When they'd sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives." So this is where we're going to uh, spend most of our time this morning, kind of stepping through this here to unpack. Um, again, this is the Thursday night before Jesus is crucified. Um, his, we're going to unpack um, some of the context around what goes on um, around this meal before Jesus' crucifixion. So verse 12, On the day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, 
when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked him, where do you want us to go and make preparations for you to eat the Passover? So what do we see going on here in verse 12? There's um, the Passover mentioned, this feast of unleavened bread. Um, It's customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb. Um, Jesus' key followers, his disciples, ask him, so where do you want us to go to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? So the Passover and Feast of Leaven Bread, a couple of the, the key big festivals that go on in, in the Jewish calendar, the Jewish year. What was it that they were um, exactly celebrating or what was it that they were remembering? So I'm going to read out to you um, Exodus chapter 12. Let's look back there briefly. You don't need to turn there probably. You can stick in, um, just stay in Mark chapter 14. I'll read out Exodus 12 to remind ourselves what was exactly going on that Jesus and his disciples are about to remember? Um, so in Exodus 12, remember in this point there'd been a whole lot of plagues go on. The Israelites, they were in slavery in Egypt. Uh, God was about to bring his people out of slavery. There was going to be some miracles, key miracles go on. They were going to part the Red Sea, cross uh, the Red Sea. Um, God continuing to take them to the promised land. But right at this point, they're in slavery in Egypt. Um, and a key thing's about to happen. So Jesus and his disciples are remembering this key thing all the way back in uh, Exodus, when they're about to exit, or Exodus. So the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, the month is to be for you the first month, the first month of the year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of the month, each person is to take a lamb for their family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they're going to share one with their neighbor. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month when all the people of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. So they're going to kill these lambs at twilight. And then take some of the blood and put it on the sides and the tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That same night, you're to eat the meat roasted over the fire, along with bitter herbs, flat, unleavened bread. Uh, On that same night, I will pass through Egypt, and I will strike down every firstborn, both men and animals, and I'll bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see that blood, I'll pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. And then it says in Exodus twelve fourteen, This is a day you are to commemorate for generations to come. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. So this, remember, Jesus and his disciples, what are they remembering? Looking right back into the Old Testament, this, uh, these lambs being killed um, for 24 hours, or there was the Passover that took place, and then for seven days it says you are to eat bread made without yeast. On the first day, remove the yeast from your houses, for whoever eats anything with it, with yeast, with yeast in it from the first day through to the seventh, will be cut off from Israel. On the first day, hold a sacred assembly and another one on the seventh day. Don't work on those days except to prepare food for everyone to eat. That's all you may do. 
Celebrate the feast of unleavened bread because it was on this very day that I bought your divisions out of Egypt. So God's about to exit them, exodus them out of slavery in Egypt. Um, So that's the instructions he gives them. Later on, Exodus chapter 12, during the night, Pharaoh, uh, sorry, at midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on the throne to the firstborn of the prisoner who was in the dungeon, and the firstborn of all the livestock as well. Can you imagine the firstborn of so many people dead? Not just the firstborn, but the livestock as well. Uh, Pharaoh and all his officials and all the Egyptians got up during the night, and there was loud wailing in Egypt, for there was not a house without someone dead. And this, this battle of COVID that we've been facing, I mean, in New Zealand there's been, what, 25 people odd dead? It's been horrible. Imagine back here in Egypt, wow, so much more than 25 people dead. There's firstborn families dead, there's livestock dead. So it says there, the wailing that went on. Um, and what did, they, what did the Israelites done? God's chosen people, they'd, they'd taken these lambs, God instructed them to, I don't know if they had paintbrushes back in those days, probably not, but the blood of the, the lambs that they killed, and they, I don't know if they painted it or sprinkled it over the door frames, down around the side, and those houses weren't touched. Those families, uh, they were spared. So the blood and the exodus of those lambs that were killed, painted over the door frames, that, in a way, protected or stopped those family families um, losing people and dying. So, so this is what Jesus is remembering, this Passover, this key event, which took place um, centuries before. This is what's going on the night before Jesus dies. So, Remember, the, the Passover was the short beginning of it, and then the seven days, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Sometimes that, that 24-hour Passover, then the seven days, the one day plus the seven days, that whole eight-day period is called the, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, with the first part being um, Passover. And so that's what's talking about in Mark, the beginning there. It says, On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked him, where do you want us to go to make preparations for you to eat this? So all the Jewish people are about to remember this this festival, this this celebration to commemorate what had gone on. And this was a huge event in um, Israel. There's people from all over the place coming to Jerusalem. They come to to be together with other Jewish people to remember um, this Passover um, bringing out of Egypt, the lamb being killed, the blood being painted over the doorframe. And so um, lots of people travel from outside the city. They travel in to the city of Jerusalem. Jesus and his disciples as well, they've traveled into the city of Jerusalem. They're all there. So the city's alive. It's packed with people for this festival. Uh, a week or two ago in New Zealand, the America's Cup, you know, hearing about Auckland, um, as the races, the finals were being raced, you know, the first day was pretty quiet because we were still under lockdown. Auckland, you know, people weren't allowed to gather there. 
Uh, the first day of the finals of the America's Cup was pretty kind of quiet, and all the uh, cafe owners, restaurateurs, the, the people who owned the bars and things, oh, it's just so quiet, we wish we could all meet together. And then the lockdown in Auckland was lifted, and then all the media hear about, oh, the city came alive, you know, people came together to celebrate the racing, to watch the racing. Um, our borders are closed at the moment, so obviously people couldn't come from overseas, but often people come from overseas. It's the pinnacle of the, the yachting world. Lots of people travel to the country where the America's Cup is being raced in, um, so the location where the finals are being held, uh, this time, you know, New Zealand against Italy, Emirates Team New Zealand against uh, Prada, Lunarossa, the city was alive. There were all these people who had come. Even my neighbour um, hooked up his boat and took it all the way up to Auckland, um, went out on the water with thousands of other craft to watch what was going on, then went back into the viaduct to be with everyone. You know, the city was alive. And this is what was happening in Jerusalem. The city was alive. There were all these people who had come there. And so this is the context, some of what's going on around the crucifixion. The place where Jesus is about to be crucified, it's packed with people who are there to celebrate, to commemorate, to remember the Passover. So what was the topic on everybody's lips in Jerusalem? Oh, you know, so where are you going? You know, where are you going to go kill the Passover lamb? Whose house are you holding at this year? Oh, we're going to Uncle Jim's place, you know. Uncle Jim, he's going to kill the, the Passover lamb this year. And, oh, we're going to Aunt Mary's place. And, oh, she's such a good cook. We're going to have amazing roast lamb and the, the bitter herbs and the unleavened bread. Oh, it's going to be amazing. And get to catch up with our cousins, you know, these people we haven't seen for well, probably since the, par the last festival. or It's kind of like you know, Christmas or Easter when we all get together with people. There's that, that um, hubbub, that real atmosphere going on. And so Jesus and his disciples are right in the midst of all this going on. And 2,000 years later, for Jewish people, they still do celebrate the Passover. Um, Jewish people, Messianic Jews who love Jesus, who... Uh, who know Jesus, they celebrate this Passover as a, as a Christian holiday. So it is still hugely significant. So the disciples ask, where do you want us to go to make preparations? Have a think for a sec. What do you think the preparations were that these disciples had to do? Okay, well, Jesus wasn't a homeowner. They didn't own a home. So, okay, they needed a location, somewhere to actually meet um, a lamb. Okay, well, I don't know, did they have a, a lamb with them or where, where were they going to get a lamb? Okay, so they needed to get a lamb. Um, the other food, the bitter herbs, the spices, um, something to drink. You know, just like how we prepare for Easter or prepare for Christmas, some of these big celebrations, there's a whole lot of preparation that needed to go on. So that's what they're preparing for. Let's keep reading on. Uh, verse 13, so he sent two of his disciples telling them, go into the city and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him and say to the owner of the house that he enters, the teacher asks, where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large upper room furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there. So verse 13, Jesus sends two of his disciples, two of them to go and, you know, follow these instructions. 
Uh, in this passage in Mark, we don't know who those people are, but in Luke 22, uh, where is it, Luke 22, 8, it tells us that those two disciples were Peter and John. And Jesus tells them to go and do those things. I don't know, was um, going to meet that person and then following them to the house, was that a miraculous event? Was it kind of a divine providence? Or was it something that Jesus beforehand had arranged, you know, he chatted with this person, we're going to come to your house? I, I don't know. The scriptures don't make it clear to us. Different biblical scholars have different opinions as to whether it was a divine event, a miracle or not. Um, but there's some very clear instructions uh, that Jesus gives them. We do know that during the Passover, it was pretty common for other Jews to, if they were a homeowner and had a spare room in their house, that they'd open up that room for other Jews, the other pilgrims who were coming to the city, that they could use it for the celebration. That was fairly culturally normal. Um, verse 16, the disciples left, went into the city, and found things just as Jesus had told them. Found things just as Jesus had told them. So as I read that, um, the disciples leave, they go into the city, they find things just as Jesus had told them. That it probably was some form of, or something miraculous went on there. Um, I get the picture that this was a bit of a step of faith for Peter and John. They didn't know all the ins and outs. They'd been instructed by Jesus to do something. They didn't know the big picture, but they chose to obey and to do what Jesus had told them to do. So what does Jesus tell him to do? He says, go, in verse 13, I want you to meet this man. Uh, he was likely the servant. He was carrying a water jar. Um, so he was probably the servant of the household, you could say. Um, follow that servant. Then verse 14, he's going to take you to the owner of a house. And when you get there, I want you to say certain things to the owner of the house. And that's going to be where you prepare stuff for this Passover meal. So it's a little bit like if I said to you, okay, or maybe not me, let's say, you know, Jesus says, okay, after church today, I want you to go, uh, let's go to Glenview Shops. I want you to head down there. And you're going to look for a, a guy. He's not going to be carrying a water jar. What's the equivalent today of a water? Maybe a H2O pump water bottle or maybe a tray of, of them, like a big water jar. So I want you to go there. After church, go. Meet a guy. Okay. Looking around. Okay. Any shop that I'm meant to be at? Or where is this guy? Okay. Hello. Okay. He's carrying a, not a water jar, but it's carrying a pump water bottle or a tray of them. Okay. What does Jesus say for them to do? Go. Follow him. Okay, so you meet this guy at Glenview Shops. Okay, so you wander with him. Okay, I'm coming to your house. Okay, I don't know where this house is. I'll follow you. Yep. Get to the house. Okay, hi. Uh, you don't know me, owner of the house, but um, I'm Peter or I'm John. You know, I've been instructed to da -da 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 -da. say these things. You rock up to someone's house that you don't know and ask them to use their room to do what? You're going to be killing a lamb. 
And do you take the lamb to Glenview shops? Do you walk from Glenview shops to the house with the lamb? Where did the lamb come from? Did Peter and John, I don't know, were they taking a lamb with them? Did they find the lamb at this owner's house? Did the owner provide the lamb? I don't know. We don't know all the details. God and his sovereignty gives us enough information, but we don't have all the information. But Peter and John, they didn't know all the details. For Peter and John, they followed the instructions, but I imagine that they were probably a little bit, okay, Jesus, not exactly sure what's going on here, but we'll follow you and we'll do this. How would you feel about that, wandering down to Glenview? Would you be comfortable following some person, going knocking on someone's door, hey, I'm just going to kill a lamb in your house, is that all right? Probably a little bit uncertain, probably a little bit stretching, I'm sure for Peter and John as well, it was probably a little bit of uncertainty, a bit stretching, a step of faith. Um, yeah, they didn't know all the information around what was going on, but over the three years with Jesus, they'd learnt enough that, hey, Jesus is trustworthy, we can actually trust him, and follow and obey what he instructs us to do, even though we don't know the big picture, even though we don't fully know what's going on here, we can trust and obey, step out in faith, and the future will be okay. The outcome will be all right. How do you find it when Jesus asks you to take steps of faith that you're a little bit uncertain with or a little bit awkward with? How are you when Jesus asks you to trust him and step out and do certain things, even though you don't necessarily know the outcome or how someone's going to respond or what the, the future holds. If you were in Peter and John's shoes, would this have been a difficult thing for you to do? Often we like to be in control of what's going on or have all those little details worked out or know exactly you know, the address I'm going to or the person that I'm going to meet or... We like to know those specific details. And sometimes it is. It's really hard to walk by faith without knowing the outcome. So Peter and John, they step out in faith. They trust Jesus. They go meet this person. They're at this house. Let's continue reading. Um, so the disciples left. They went into the city. They found things just as Jesus told them, and they prepared the Passover meal. When evening came, Jesus arrives with the twelve. And while they were reclining at the table eating, he says, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. So here they are, they're at this, this Passover feast, the celebration, they're there in the upper room, they're eating, and Jesus drops this bombshell on them, saying, one of you is going to betray me. It's like you all get together with your family, maybe it's Easter or Christmas, you know, you're all celebrating, catching up, eating some great food. And one of the people you know, says, oh, I've lost my job. Or one of your family members says, oh, you know, I'm, um, you know another family member's got a terminal illness or someone's lost a baby. Or this kind of goes from this mood of celebration and feasting and catching up. I'm sure it suddenly went pretty kind of quiet and sober and um, pretty somber. Verse 19, what does that say? They were saddened 
And one by one, they said to him, Surely not I. Surely not I. They start questioning, Can't be me, is it? Is it me, Jesus? It can't, no, it can't be me. I hope not. Verse 20 and 21. It is one of the twelve, he replied, one who dips bread into the bowl with me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would have been better for him if he had not been born. Jesus knew very clearly what the future held and holds. He knew that someone of his close group right there was about to betray him. He knew exactly who that person was that he's sharing that last Passover meal with. We see later on in this chapter, Mark chapter 14, that Judas, the one who betrays Jesus, brings the group with him and they um, take Jesus and arrest him. Um, The group had paid Jesus, uh, paid Judas to sell Jesus out. and He's betrayed. But here we see each of the disciples saying to Jesus, Surely, not I, Lord. You know, I'm not that bad, Lord. I'm not that fallen. I'm not that evil. I'm not that broken. I'm not that sinful. I'm not as bad as that person who's going to betray you. Surely, not I, Lord. It's easy for us to look at Judas Iscariot and see what he did. That man, he betrayed Jesus far out. That's that's a shocker. You know that this guy betrayed. Jesus. It's easy for us to look and think, oh, I'd never do that. I'd never betray Jesus, quite like that guy Judas. Man, that's terrible. What do we see in um, the very next verses after the ones that we're looking at today? We see how Peter denies Jesus. Um, You know, Peter in Mark 14, 31, Peter insisted emphatically Even if to die with you, I'll never disown you. And all the others said the same. I'll never disown you, Jesus. And yet, we know full well that Peter went on. We know that the others were scattered. It's easy for us to say, oh, you know, no, I certainly would never be like that. I'm not, not like that. No, I'd never deny Jesus. I'd say that Judas is a picture of each of us and a picture of all of us. All all of us in different ways, in a sense, betray Jesus, have betrayed Jesus. Our fallen, sinful nature, our brokenness, uh, none of us live perfect lives. None of us, we know, in and of ourselves, We can't work our way to God. It's not how it works. We are all in need of a saviour. We are all broken. We're all fallen. We all need someone to die in our place. For each of us, that need for a lamb to be sacrificed in our place is very real. I'm just like Judas. You are just like Judas. 
And so, what's the context? What's going on here? On Jesus' very last evening with his friends, as he shares that Passover meal with them, Jesus knows the need for that ultimate sacrifice to occur. He knows that the following day, that need for someone to die, the lamb to die, the Passover lamb to be sacrificed. He knows the need for him to lay down his life. At his very final meal, with his 12 close guys, he knows intimately, as he looks at Judas, each of them looks at the 12, the need for the following day for him to lay down his life, for his body to be broken, for his blood to be shed, for the forgiveness of the disciples, for the forgiveness of you, for the forgiveness of me. So this is the context, this is what is going on around that final meal that Jesus shares with his key guys, the key people around him. This is what leads in to the Lord's Supper. Verse 22 to 26. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks and broke it, gave it to his disciples and said, take this, this is my body. Then he takes the cup, gives thanks, offers it to them, and they all drink from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. I tell you the truth, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. So these verses that we've been looking at today in Mark 12, the, the final evening before Jesus dies, this last and the key things before he's crucified, um, the breaking of the bread, the drinking of the wine, representing Jesus' body, you know, his blood poured out for humanity. Big picture, what, what do we see here recorded around Mark 14? What do we see here going on, on around the final meal? So the context is the Passover. It was when those lambs were being killed. It's like the city of Auckland's alive. The city of Jerusalem's alive. Lambs are being killed. There is literally blood. You know, people have blood. At their... It is real. Lambs are being killed. And Jesus is going to, very shortly, be killed in this uh, context. The Passover, they were remembering the blood on the door frames, um, the lambs that had died, the blood poured out to enable the forgiveness of many. So on that first evening of the festival, Jesus and his close friends, they're there to remember that celebrate that Passover. And we see here in this passage, the old Passover, it's transformed into the Lord's Supper with the Lord, the Lamb of God. What else do we see as we wrap up? We see two of the disciples, Peter and John, walking by faith. We see them taking steps of faith to trust Jesus, even though they don't, they don't necessarily know the outcome or the big picture. Uh, we see Jesus you know, as he looks across the table, sees one of his friends, looks in his eyes. Man, the reality, the fallenness of humanity. Betrayal, right there. Yet he, Jesus continues on through the evening and continues on 
his journey to the cross, offering mercy and forgiveness to humanity through tomorrow's crucifixion taking place on the Friday. We see people who had come to Jerusalem from all the surrounding areas for this Passover. That Thursday night, they're sacrificing lambs. What are they going to see 24 hours later or the following day? They're going to see Jesus crucified. And then a few days later, resurrected, come back to life. That message, you know, God's big plan to take this message of salvation out to the nations, you can see God's big plan interwoven here because all these people had come into Jerusalem, like all the people who went to Auckland for the America's Cup, then they go back to all the different places. So a few days later, all these people had come to Jerusalem for the Passover as they head back to all the surrounding places or the outer districts, what's the message they're going to be taking? It's not going to be, man, we had an awesome time with Mary, or man, Uncle Jim, you know, killing the lamb, the herbs were great. And we're like, wow, Jesus Christ was crucified, but he came back to life. So all these people who came in, they're going to take that message, the gospel, very early on, spreading right then and there. You can see God's big plan. So as we close today's message, as we as a church continue on our journey to the cross, let me ask you a couple of questions as we wrap up. Just like Peter and John in this scenario here, how are you at trusting Jesus when he asks you to step out in faith? When he instructs you to do something that's a little bit out of your comfort zone, or it's a little bit awkward, Lord, I'm not quite sure if this is uh, something I want to do here, God. When Jesus wants you to step out in faith, even though you don't know what the future holds or what the outcome will be, it's a hard thing to do. But how are you at trusting the Lord and walking by faith? And secondly, Judas and his actions, they're representative of me. They're representative of you. Represent very clearly our need for a saviour. Boy, Judas stuffed up big time, without a doubt. But man, I stuff up big time, without a doubt. You stuff up big time, without a doubt. Without God providing that ultimate sacrificial lamb, without God providing Jesus Christ to die in our place, none of us would have our sins forgiven. None of us would be able to stand in a right relationship with God. So, as we journey to the cross this Easter, boy, am I eternally grateful for what Jesus has done. Because I know in and of myself, I am not worthy. I need that sacrificial lamb. You need that sacrificial lamb to die in our place. So let's be eternally grateful this Easter for that death of Jesus on the cross. And this final thing, if you're here this morning, if you don't know Jesus at all, if you know this message of Easter is 
something that you might have heard about over the years, but you're not really that sure. Um, this whole thing about who Jesus is and need for you know, someone to die in your place. Um, I'd love to chat with you afterwards. Please, you know, take the opportunity to, to keep uh, finding out who God is, finding out the reality this Easter of who Jesus is. So that reality of Jesus dying on the cross uh, is for each and every person. So come on up and say hi afterwards. Introduce yourself, say howdy. Uh, I'd love to chat with you. Um, if that's something you've got a whole lot of questions on, please come and say hi or chat with someone if you come to church with them as well. So let me close in prayer and pray for us as we um, finish up. Yeah, Jesus, we are so eternally grateful for you uh, dying on the cross. Um, and this Easter, Lord, we want to uh, acknowledge again this, what an amazing thing that is, that you died in our place, that you were the ultimate uh, sacrificial lamb, that it's not our blood that now needs to, um, to be spilt, that we are no longer needing to uh, pay that ultimate price, that we can trust in you for the forgiveness of sins. Thank you so much, Lord, for that. Uh, help us as a body of Christ here in the south of Hamilton to be very aware of, of you and what you have done this Easter. And Lord, I pray for, for each of us as we endeavor to, to walk by faith. Thank you for the example of people like Peter and John. Um, and Lord, I pray for us this week. Help us uh, as we endeavor to, to trust you and to take steps of faith in, uh, in those areas that you want us to um, step out in and to walk by faith, to trust you and help us to be willing to obey step by step, little by little, even though we don't know the outcome and don't know what the future holds. Thank you, God, that you are worthy to be trusted, that you are trustworthy. So thank you for this time together in Mark uh, this morning. Um, yeah, thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray these things. Amen.